0: The OAMnetwork.com.
1: Power to the podcast. <laughs>
2: Wait, was that her walking? Or no, that, that was that, a car that? outside turning. <laughs> a it horse sounded, just <laughs> came. I <laughs> thought it was a horse trotting. No, this
0: is a horse. Right? Ready?
2: You think that sounds like
1: a that horse? That sounds like a June bug.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't like this. This sounds like a June bug's in my ear. <laughs>
2: I don't like the way your face looks.
1: <laughs> oh, someone making noodles? Macaroni. Some noodles. right now. <laughs> That's
0: Miwad from Aquatine Hunger farce His name's Miwad. His name's Miwad.
1: Ooh. Ooh. You want me to? Ooh. Uh, do you uh. want to see Miwad up some cash? Yep. H- how about that? How
0: about that? Ooh, we have her on the show today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should all be fun
3: characters.
0: I just feel like they're talking okay. to us, yelling at us, and we're just doing <laughs> bits. Take
2: off your headphones <laughs>
3: Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication show taking our guest in too deep, but we're trying to keep up above in our heads, scared of going under. On today's episode, can your genome predict your face? How glioblastoma gets its different cell types? And where you can buy a CD entirely of WellSong? And now here's your resident scientist, Mark Brimble.
4: Welcome to the Dr. Heckle podcast, science communication and comedy, much like Neil deGrasse Tyson, but not point five percent of the listener base <laughs> today with me, I have three comedians who are on tour right now with a uh, degree in entry level firefighting from Kirkwood Community College, Gideon Hambright Hello Hi, everyone. hey everyone with a community college degree in nursing from marshtown Mr James doyle. Hey. And an uncompleted degree in marketing (laughs) and history from Iowa State, Mr. Patrick Hasty. Welcome to the show, everyone.
0: Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us aboard.
4: This is great. It's an absolute uh, pleasure. Now, uh, you guys are on tour at the moment. We are, yeah. Uh, Please tell us a little bit about uh, your tour and your uh, experience with comedy so far. Well,
0: we're just out there spreading the awareness of nursing and firefighting Firefighting, and marketing and history. You know, we're just out there telling the kids.
4: That's great. I (laughs) mean, any subject that you are an expert on, it's important to share that information. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um no actually we're just out there telling stand up jokes, doing comedy, giddy in yeah. here. Uh, we do comedy in New York together, and James does comedy in Iowa, and so we're out there t- basically tell. I mean, if you're if there's something that we are spreading the word about that we know well, it's come. That's what we're pretty much <laughs> yeah, talking that's about. For sure. whole, uh, jizz and all that stuff. It's <laughs> cro- is this that is this that kind of podcast? Is it, this?
4: It can be. It can be oh, whatever cool, you want it oh, to be. Oh, They're also I saw spreading you move the, the uh,
0: mouse, and I'm like, well,
4: that's an edit point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm They're also spreading everything. the awareness of New York City. If you haven't heard mm-hmm. of it yet, yeah. yeah, it's getting out there.
4: I hear it's actually uh, on its way up. It's yeah, going to be big. Coming. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's been hard because they're from New York and I'm still living in Iowa. So almost every show I get brought up as a New York comedian or they get brought up as Iowa comedians. Yeah, yeah. It's they're... been real difficult it's to really navigate fun. this
0: because when people bring me up as an Iowa comedian, I'm like, well, I start. I'm from Iowa, so I can roll with that. But then when people bring James up as a New York comedian, he's just like, I'm not, I'm New York. I just roll with it. It gives you fucking a little bit of caveat that you didn't have before, you dummy.
4: Now uh your tour is called Whales and Beasts. What was the reasoning behind the naming of that tour?
0: Uh well this uh, James has his he has this fixation with whales. He's got a tattoo of a whale. I right love there. him. Used to run a show at, uh, and then uh, our friends run a festival in Des Moines, Iowa called the Beast Village Comedy Festival and that's where we're wrapping our tour up.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's great. kind
0: of that's what it's taken from but it's also the fact that we're just it sounded kind of like a country western band. We thought that was kind of fun or very you know, nice. You? What do you think, Gideon?
4: Yeah, I think much like Blues Traveler. Yeah,
0: we are much like Bruce Blues Traveler, uh, and like James always says, the hook will bring you back. The uh-huh. hook will bring now, you
4: back. Now, so you're a big fan of whales. I, I am so, a fan of whales. So yes. you know, uh, you, do you know much about whale song? Oh, uh, huh, huh, no, <laughs> not, song. not a whole lot. If I If you hum
0: a few bars, though, we might be so, able to figure uh, it out.
4: Can I get my guitar? <laughs> So now uh, whales, they, uh, they sing to each other in the water, but a very low pitch that uh, humans are unable to hear. So now uh, the blue whale, that is 39 hertz, and a fin whale, that is 20 hertz. That's below what you're able to detect. Why does However, it hurt so much? Uh, what I'm going to tell you about, because comedy is often a lonely profession. You're up, you're up uh, on stage on your own. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might feel like you're the only person in the room. Mm. Uh, there is one whale recorded that's singing at 52 hertz. A pitch which sounds like a low bass note to humans, perhaps from a tuba. Yeah. But the problem is, this is the loneliest whale in the world because it sings a pitch above any other whale, so no other whale can hear it and no other whale can respond to it. It's whale song.
0: What a fucking hipster, like <laughs> yeah. whale, well,
1: you know? Like. So he sings "Hurt" by Johnny Cash fifty-two times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what's going yeah. on. That's
0: pretty ironic. When you're on stage, James, I, I, it hurts me. He does me the nine-inch nails <laughs> version. <laughs> oh yeah, sick as fuck.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of times when I am literally the only person in the room happening. Yeah. So
0: I, you guys ever see Star Trek four? The Voyage Home. Oh, the whale one? Yeah, that's all about whales. Uh, it's a, it's a star, <laughs> there's, there's this uh, sci-fi franchise called Star Trek, and it's about the story of these uh, people living together on a ship, mm. Kirk and Spock and Uhura, and they made a series of movies in the 80s and 90s, and one of them, they go back to 1984 San Francisco, and the idea is that they're in the future, and there's this alien race that speaks like uh, whales, and so but the whales are extinct by then on, on that Earth, and so they have to go back in time to get whales to talk to this alien race to tell them, hey, don't blow us up. Oh my
4: God. So, so rather than, like, invest in, like, a, <laughs> developing a translation app, yeah. they went back in time to get whales. Yeah, it's crazy. Do it's people like though. that? That's, yeah, the that. mom from
0: Se- uh, Seventh Heaven's in that movie. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> there's a really funny part where, because uh, uh, this movie was filmed, like, in probably 85, 86, and there's a part where a Scotty, you know him, he picks up a mouse. He's sitting there, and he's looking at a computer, and he goes, computer and the computer oh, really? doesn't say anything or respond at all and then they hand him the mouse and they're like S- give him this and he's like oh okay and then he takes the mouse like it's a walkie-talkie and just talks into the mouse and goes computer <laughs> real good okay, yeah. <laughs> any of that transfer on audio i,
4: I stopped listening. i'm taking a breather
0: gideon you're in
4: now uh one thing uh, one one thing with this whale is it's getting older and now uh much like you know, the pitch of your voice might lower when it gets older. Yeah. The pitch of whales' voices lowers when it gets uh, when they get older. So it's now actually transmitting whale song at 46 hertz, still yeah. unable so to be heard by all of the other whales just in the world.
2: One whale, not like a species of whale. It's it just is just the one, one
4: single one whale. Single whale. Ah, poor Ooh. guy. And people and it, people have been able, uh, following this since 1989. Yeah. Ooh. 1989, they detected this Sounds whale, like and a they've a... been following it around the North Pacific. Have they, they like, caught them yet? Sorry? They haven't caught him yet?
1: (laughs) Oh, there's just one guy
2: out there. (laughs) His name's Ahab. He's got a fucking (laughs) thing. So he's like the Barry White of Wales is kind of like what we're getting at, except we can hear Barry White.
0: Well, you can hear Barry White. He's been dead for some years now. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, (laughs) He's, he's made some recordings. Is
0: Barry White dead?
4: i
2: don't
0: ask that guy with the sir? the cantaloupe there if he'll google a berry what's dead
4: now uh unfortunately <laughs> whales around the world are finding it harder to communicate it won't just be this one whale because uh the sound of fishing or other commercial vessels right. that's effectively drowning out a lot of whale song oh and they so, don't know how
2: to use cell phones either so
4: mm-hmm. no
0: do you think okay so are, i this is the thing i'm a uh, serious question is whale song is there actually people that have recorded that, and is that a thing we can listen to and you can actually be like oh that's kind of a beautiful thing or does it just kind of sound like a
4: bunch of like have sounds? you ever been into one of those like uh stores that has amethysts and you know dream catchers oh
0: yeah where you can buy like a samurai you sword can buy, shit. you can yeah, almost yeah, yeah.
4: certainly buy a cd of whale song and it's actual
0: whale songs i always thought that was like some manufactured thing
4: yeah or like a guy with a pan flute or something like that yeah
0: that's oof. you know what my favorite whale song is baby beluga you guys ever hear that raffi um, it's a good one yeah baby beluga in the deep blue sea <laughs> swim so wide swim so free heaven above sea below a little white whale on the go
2: that's pretty
1: good that's is that it's it pretty your notes? that's was really that? good Did you uh, find uh, me that check in? my notes <laughs> who'd you what, say that hey, was what, Riff Riff raff? Raff? Were, what Hertz that's, were you singing that at that's huh that's
0: how many hertz, hertz was that, that was at, uh, you're not gonna believe this no <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> 53 hertz 69 hertz right there. oh my god
4: all right we're all good for section one
0: okay good I thought you were like, that's it,
4: podcast (laughs) over. (laughs) Let
0: OM help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info
1: at theoamnetwork.com and ask about our 2017 sponsorship
4: packages. Welcome back to the Dr. Heckle podcast. We're moving on to our fake news section with our comedians. Now, uh, this is where I take an article uh, and I basically get some feedback from you on it before describing maybe in a bit more detail why journalistic practices might not have been upheld. So, uh, I'm going with an article from the uh, the Times. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the Times of London, and it says scientists use genetic code to build a picture of your face. Ooh. Okay, what do you what do you think of that, James? Do you think that's a uh... Don't
1: they have an iPhone? <laughs> oh, sick. You burned sick. the yeah. hell out take of those scientists. Sing, I
4: mean, so as a concept, the, um, what, they're, what they're saying here is that, you know, you could take someone's genetic code, uh, read that, and then work out what their face looks like. So is this a thing you could
0: do with, like, uh, remains? Like, ancient, like, you know, like if somebody died in the 1800s, yeah. you could take this and, you know, use their bones and their genetic remains and then build up, see what their actual noggin looked like when it was skinny and stuff?
4: You could, in theory, and uh, but the purpose of this article is they're saying that you know all this data protection with uh, people giving their uh, you know giving samples of blood or giving samples of oh, whatever yeah. to uh, genome sequencing facilities. They're saying um, this article was supposedly saying uh, you know you can't uh, guarantee your anonymity even though they're guaranteeing it to you because your genetic information is in theory Ooh. de-identifiable.
1: Well, I mean, in this day and age, isn't it? pretty easy to go ahead and change how you look
0: thank so, you yeah going that, to I mean,
1: really be that big of a deal and you're in very you're into body mod right oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah, yeah. and you're into These body... are my real cheeks you have forked tongue Mm-hmm. i yeah but i gotta sew back together <laughs> all right can we please get you back know, to the, the science we're show. using
4: you know using taxpayer dollars to pay for your forked tongue <laughs> to mm-hmm. be unforked yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yep, i've been of... saying that every years. it's Four now it's like up. a
4: Spoon tongue
1: now, right? I can't sing right.
0: Oh, isn't that what that they sing to you? They call you spoon tongue. <laughs> Come together with your tongue. Or now,
4: piece. Uh, now the article uh, that was published that this news article was based on uh, was called "Identification of Individuals by Trait Prediction Using Whole Genome Sequencing Data." Now it claims to be able to be able to identify a person's face from their genetic code, and it comes from this guy called uh, John Craig Venter.
0: Oh, who, I know John.
4: He was. I involved know in the human genome project back in 2001 mm-hmm. now it is a bit of a controversial figure at least in uh, the united kingdom because there was um, a whole consortium of different countries working towards building the human genome project and john craig venter claims to have, claimed to have got there first so he published his simultaneous work with um with his set of groups first but it wasn't as complete as the consortium mm-hmm. from all of these European countries. So a lot of people think he kind of cheated his way to the title of, you know, hu- first. Uh, first person to sequence the uh, human genome. And he's become a huge, famous figure. He opened an institute called the John Craig Venter Institute after himself. And he, by the way, the genome that he sequenced was his own. So he's, you know, uh, there's a bit uh. of a theme here. He's, he's, you know, I wouldn't want to necessarily, you know, slander him as being completely self serving. But um, when you when you hear about articles that he has he has uh, written and produced, uh, it's often bigged up in the media, perhaps slightly more than the actual breakthrough.
0: That's that's very interesting. Is, when was there like a big competition then at that point too? Like was it like it was
4: going to happen? Yeah, the, the, the human genome was going to be sequenced, and there were multiple sets of people working on it. Yeah, and it was basically thought that the you know. Uh, I think it's London. Uh, the English, the French, American consortium was going to get there first, and then you know this. This is just a random dude. Well, he he, ha- he was already a, a well-known scientist in yeah. his own right at that point.
0: It'd be funny if it was just a random dude, though, right? Just some dude named Kenny who's like, I fucking figured I it out, me, man. man. I got it. <laughs> hey, dude, I got it. I got that genome right <laughs> over here, man. Check it out. Now,
1: now um, I have a question for you about this. What is the
4: use for this? So, what would what the use would be? Uh, well, I su- I suppose. Yeah, I don't. Really,
1: I don't really see the point. Well, and also, when they map out the face, is it a computer program that does this, or do yes. they make some weird fleshy? It is like- a
4: computer program that models the face, and it's. Uh, I suppose it would be good for generating efits. You know, you have uh, a person's DNA at a crime scene. Yeah. You plug that in, you generate a picture of their face, and you're like, okay, well there you go. Oh,
1: we gotta go find this idiot. Yeah. And that's just in case their DNA isn't already in the system.
4: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, I yeah. Or if somebody change, yeah, yeah. But, may, I think it sounds like an okay idea. It sounds a little minority reporty, but yeah, other than I can that, see
1: it's... the people, the gun nuts who go nuts or who go crazy about having their like face on cameras that yeah. are yeah. up in the corners of buildings or something. I could see them and getting this... pretty upset that they could be caught. Yeah, yeah.
4: Now this is actually, but this paper has caused a bit of uproar in the scientific community because uh, the results don't really reflect that ability. It's a very interesting uh, paper. It's very interesting work. But all they detected really was they took a lineup of, you know, 10 10 faces and said, oh, we can identify, you know, 75% accuracy, we can work out, you know, we've got this genome sequence, which one of these 10 faces is it? And they would pick it out, which is, you know, it's pretty good. But it's not the same as saying we can identify someone. The technology in no way exists at Uh this point to completely identify someone from, you know, a vast pool of people. Uh Based on this genomic data, in fact, it, you would be much—it would be much easier at this point to, to look at them and be like, "Oh, it's that." Is this fellow over it, here? You know, the guy is. Oh, it's a fifty-year-old guy with you know, with uh, dark hair uh, and green eyes. There he is. My dad. Is my dad. Brad. Dad.
1: I feel like this technology in the future could be used to make something really great, but at this point, it's like going backwards in time.
4: So that so that's the the point really. It's a good proof of concept, but uh, they over, it's been overblown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and made all the national newspapers. In, uh, in fact, some good journalism was the MIT Technology Review, which said, "Does your genome predict your face? Not quite yet." Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of other publications like were quick to pounce and and say, "No, this isn't you know what the more tabloid used news- newspapers are telling everyone is possible at this point." And the reason it's important is because uh, lawmakers often go off studies like this to decide uh, new privacy protection sure, laws sure. New whatever yeah. and if you're misrepresenting what's actually possible you're going to put in place uh, you know you're going to scare people and put in place legislation that doesn't actually make any sense mm-hmm. yeah
0: oh i didn't even think of it that way but yeah that's like when they first started really dealing with dna evidence and stuff like that in crime scenes in the late 80s early 90s and it made it sound like it was the best like it was uh like if you dropped a blood we would find you'd, right. you'd be arrested but it really it wasn't there yet. They were working on it, but it took like 20 years before that started really getting like, developed. But mm-hmm. like people were starting to really get into it then. Like in 1990, people were like, well, this is a catch all. And people were being convicted on bad science or, mis- you know, or somebody did something wrong. But they were like, but this is the DNA evidence. And that's what this, we know this as this word. And it doesn't matter if our science messed up or if we screwed up and stuff. So it's kind of like this is at that stage right now, maybe.
4: I think so. I yeah. think so. Now, uh, w- one thing I will say is uh, this was. Uh, published in a journal called Proceedings of National Academy of Science, and they have a very weird publication process that uh, is pretty much uh, unparalleled in the scientific uh, literature, which Mm -hmm. is where uh, you can either do normal submission of an article, or if you are a member of the National Academy of Science, you get to submit a certain number of articles, I guess it's two per year, Mm -hmm. and you get to choose the reviewers and the rates of those papers getting published where it's uh, submitted by those members of the National Academy of Science, is uh, far, far higher than if you were a normal scientist submitting. Yeah, and ooh. actually, that changes the quality of yeah, totally. the papers coming out. So right. this this paper was one of those that was contributed rather mm-hmm. than actually submitted in a normal peer review manner. Mm-hmm. So they actually submitted this paper to the journal Science. Science rejected it. Yeah. And then they took it to PNAS, and uh, then the, uh, PNAS accepted it. Now because of all of this i would say it's not necessarily the fault of um the journalists in this case because they've directly been told by this scientific group this is what you know this is our finding Mm -hmm. this is uh you know a scare for privacy so we don't i'm not going to dub the times or the daily mail fake news this time it is john craig venter and his team at the john craig venter institute i'm afraid you're fake news
0: have an idea for a podcast? Email info at the today and pitch your
1: podcast.
4: So, our final section uh, is where I take a scientific article that has been recently published and I try and explain it in some manner that you will be able to understand what is going on because the majority of scientific articles are very complex. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily how it is portrayed in the, um, in the media of, you know, some big discovery, oh, cancer is going to be cured. Each individual article is often a very small incremental in- improvement on what has come before. So, the article we're going to discuss today was published in Nature uh, last week. It's called "Fate Mapping of Human Glioblasto- gli- Glioblastoma Reveals an Invariant Stem Cell Hierarchy."
0: Actually, I can explain this one if that's <laughs> all right with you. Guys. Yeah, yeah go and take take one. it, Patrick. <laughs> I, I don't know fucking nothing. You said.
4: <laughs> all right, so uh, let's let's start from the uh, from the top. So, glioblastoma, you know, uh, that is the most uh, common form of brain tumor. Okay. I, knew oh. it, I knew tumor part, at least.
0: Oh, I heard it's not a tumor.
4: <laughs> What'd you hear? <laughs> Arnold
0: Schwarzenegger. And, uh,
4: and um, at the moment, there is a very, very famous person with, uh, a bra- with this brain tumor, John McCain. Oh. It was oh, why yeah. he came back from you know, the Senate and did that dramatic uh, yeah. no vote. He's got weird shoulders. Can ever bend. Well
0: fucking he's got a brain tumor, dude. Give well, him a break. Did, and a his body tumor. was
4: destroyed in <laughs> Vietnam. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, uh, call me crazy, but I like soldiers that don't get abducted or whatever the fuck happens. <laughs>
4: oh good. Now uh it's actually one of the one of the worst uh you know worst cancers there is, uh worst adult cancers. Um the median length of survival following di- diagnosis is only twelve to fifteen months. Oof. So really uh and the 5 year survival which is the metric that you know most cancers are judged by is only 3 to 5% of people live longer than Ooh. 5 years it's it's basically a death sentence even in the modern age right. now it's uh the reason it is so deadly is it's uh very heterogeneous now that basically means uh it's not a single type of cell you know you can't just attack it one way and it will be you know eliminated uh-huh. or it's lots it's lots of different kind of cell types or uh, and resistance generates very easily so you you won't get all of the tumor in fact surgery is still probably the best option you have and uh the tr- uh, standard treatment of care is you know you do surgery and you treat with a chemotherapeutic temozolomide uh but it comes back and even with if you don't treat at all it's a 3 months from diagnosis Ooh, is the I-
1: average so, if you get the tumor taken care of and you have clean edges on your brain, does it still come back?
0: That's a great question, James.
4: Well, uh, in the majority of cases, yes. Wow. Okay. Because you would, because you won't really get clean edges, like, if you think about, like, it's very risky to take normal brain tissue. Uh, it's it's a very difficult procedure to do, mm-hmm. and. The majority of the time, uh, you will have a better survival rate if you get 99% or more, ninety ninety nine percent or more, but you almost certainly won't get all of the tumor.
0: True. Is it, can this, I don't know nothing about nothing, so can the brain, to can the, this cancer, it's in the brain, right? Yes. Can that spread the way that like a lung cancer or, or breast cancer can spread to other parts of the it body? It can
4: go malignant, yes. Okay,
0: and so like all of a sudden you have, if that happens and all of a sudden it spreads to like, let's say your like uh, throat or whatever, something does it still be considered brain cancer or is it just a malignant cancer now taking over and now you have throat cancer and now you have,
4: well, if you, if you think about the origin cell, so usually the metastasis is these cells migrating and, uh, um, you know, taking hold somewhere else. Now, uh, I'm not sure where, uh, where the migration takes place in glioblastoma, mm-hmm. uh, whether it actually, uh, is just to other regions of the brain or I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the common, uh, what the common uh, areas for, for that migration is, but it does go metastatic.
0: Mm, boy, that's just
4: another reason I'm against immigrants.
0: <laughs> Present company excluded, of course.
4: Now, uh, other, <laughs> other, other reasons it's very difficult to treat. Now, the brain is very susceptible to the conventional uh, you know, therapies that you would use. Uh, the brain has a very limited capacity to repair itself. So if you cause damage to the brain, uh, you will be even if you survive the tumor or survive the tumor a bit longer, it may make your quality of life much worse. Uh-huh.
3: So and
4: finally, many drugs uh, are unable to cross the blood-brain barrier, so it's actually very difficult to treat.
1: Do, do you know the specifics on John McCain's tumor?
4: Uh, no, I do not. Me neither. I,
1: I don't. I, I believe it was above the eye. Yeah, uh, it was
4: found when he went for, uh, I guess, eye surgery or an eye exam. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess I, I mean, I don't know more than you do about this. I was just wondering, like, someone with an advanced age, would that kind of surgery really probably, like, what would be the best course of action for a man like John McCain? Right.
4: I think so. So surgery is probably still the uh, the first course of action,
1: mm-hmm.
4: uh, and presumably he will be on a clinical trial instantly. So he'll be he'll be trying something that uh, may not be in the you know it be mainstream treatment. He will be basically taking something or being put on a clinical trial regimen that may have uh, a better outcome or it, it, it's worth is worth taking the risk he'll probably get the standard of care therapy first so he may get temozolomide but then it's almost certain that someone with like the stature of a united states senator is going to be in a position to uh, get himself onto a, a clinical trial yeah, yeah. Right. a rich wake up
0: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that's fantastic. You know, it's good that, that that's how our healthcare system is set up. That this man can do that. Yeah, thank God for John him. McCain. Yeah,
1: keep that rolling, John. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd just die. Yeah, 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 dude. yeah, I know. That'd be fun. Yeah, you're
4: weak. Yeah,
0: that's is this so, is this so, how sad it always but at least gets I at this don't point?
4: Have no, 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 shoulders. no. So, so this, so this is the basis. Now I've got <laughs> okay. you on terms of the disease. So it's very now
0: you got a very uh,
4: very heterogeneous disease. Now the jokes so are now coming. You, now now <laughs> you see the. Uh
1: i'm ready to <laughs> so, um, get out and get me see some, some uh brain tumors it looks so, like i already have one all right. your nose is bleeding no no this isn't good
4: so you have this very heterogeneous tumor lots of different cell type, types but no one really knows how that arises so uh whether it's from uh you know a cancer stem cell population that is throwing off all, uh, dividing and throwing out all of these different cell types whether it's uh lots of different cells whether uh the tumor develops i guess in a, a certain area and you know uh, rolls out of control. Uh, but this paper really sought to get to the heart of, like, why that was happening. Now, uh, they used this thing called a barcoding strategy. So, obviously, you know what a, what a barcode yeah. is. Yeah, it has you can, been. You can buy, you know, different items and the scanner knows mm-hmm. what you've bought.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, what they, what they did here is they took patient uh, primary cells from glioblastomas that have been extracted and they infected them with a virus uh, that contained unique genomic identifiers. So they contained the virus contained uh individual DNA sequences. So it's you you make this viral prep with you know millions and billions of particles, and each one is individual, basically. You have uh you you generate a library of all these different combinations because if you think about it, you don't actually need that long a sequence of DNA uh to have Millions and millions of combinations. You know, if it's a if it's a one-letter uh, sequence, you have the four options A, T, C, and G. If it's two, that instantly goes to sixteen. And then if you just follow the mathematical powers out, very quickly you build up a library of like a huge number. So they do. So they do that. They have this uh, this library of a huge number of DNA barcodes. They infect the glioblastoma cells. Then they take those glioblastoma cells and put them in a mouse model. So they inject them into a mouse brain.
0: Whoa. I, didn't, I did not see that coming.
4: Neither right. did the mouse. Oh. No. All right. And uh, so they inject it into the mouse brain and then it grows up. So then they take that tumor that's grown up in the mouse brain. They then sequence to see what barcodes, you know, they're picking mm-hmm. up how many uh, and uh, how big the clone sizes are. And then they do this thing called passaging where they'll take a portion of those cells, put them into another mouse They'll do the same thing. They'll take the tumor out when it grows up, and then they'll, uh, they'll do, s- do that a third time.
0: When you say when the tumor... Does that mean when the tumor grows up? So when the, as the tumor grows, or are you actually saying in the, throughout the life of the mouse?
4: Uh, when the tumor grows in, in, the, in mass, the mouse, it will, okay. it will grow fairly quickly. And actually, as you continue the passages, it often grows
2: quicker. Faster. Yeah. Oof.
4: But the purpose of doing that is when each cell divides to, uh, to make the tumor grow, well that cell, because the virus is integrating into the genome, that cell, uh, the ones it gives rise to will have that same barcode as its original cell. So you can work out when you look at a later passage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how many originator cells you have in that tumor. So is it just arising from this one stem cell yeah. because that you've infected? And you know, that's producing all of these cells of these different types, or is it actually lots of different cells, uh, because you're detecting lots of these barcode sequences later on. Oof. And what they find is it's lots of, different, uh, lots of different cells, basically in this equipotent state. So equ- uh, lots of different cells, they're picking up lots of these different barcodes later on. And the interesting thing that they're able to uh, pick out with this paper is that these cancer stem cells, they don't just you know, each give rise to one type of cell that keeps on growing out. They're actually give, giving rise to different types of cells, so uh, by asymmetrical division it uh, one cell divides into two uh-huh. the, uh, the first cell is actually more like the the original the stem cell, and then this the second is a more differentiated kind of cell or maybe it's a, a, a more uh, a less like a stem cell and, and will divide f- and divides faster now you would think uh, that it might be a survival of the fittest se- uh su- um, situation that's in, what you were saying in Get the purest was. of terms you know it would be you'd have a very resistant uh clone of of uh, a cell that had mutated in a certain way that was then able to just outgrow and outgrow uh-huh, and outgrow uh-huh. but what this seems to suggest is that a lot of the uh, heterogeneity is caused by lots of different cells in this kind of cancer cell state uh, the asymmetrically dividing, giving rise to a lots of different cell types. Now, the interesting thing there is they uh, characterised different types of these cells, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and looked at the effect of your standard chemotherapy on them. So they basically broadly classified them. They found when you do your TMZ, what John McCain will probably have to uh-huh. go through, it got rid of you know a large number of these these small clones, but then there was also this outgrowing population that was, you know, completely resistant, and then they were able through this barcoding uh, system to kind of look at the uh, look at the characteristics of you know these different populations, and uh, they identified a uh, basically target uh, drugs that they could potentially use. So they used uh, this thing called an EZH2 inhibitor, which basically inhibits the EZH2 protein. And they used a, an epigenetic inhibitor. So something that is not necessarily... Uh, something that's working not at the genomic level, not at the protein level. Something that's working to change how the epigenome... So not, mm-hmm. not, not the DNA in your cells. These modifications that can be made to the DNA. Do you know anything about the epigenome?
0: Is that yeah. like no, an epi-pin? Okay.
4: Like, no.
0: Like if my nephew eats peanut butter and I stab his leg with yeah. that thing? Is that a different, completely different thing?
4: It's a completely different thing. I just thought
0: the word epi might have yeah. them.
4: Epinephrine. If you think epi outside. Okay. Uh, so you have the, the, uh, the genome, all your DNA sequence, and then all of these chemical modifications that can be made to that DNA or uh, these proteins that DNA is wound around. Uh-huh. And those chemical modifications are called epigenetic changes. Oh, yeah. So about, they used a drug that was basically modifying uh, the epigenome.
1: What are some examples of that in just nature? Like uh something does uh drugs or something like that that we take recreationally,
4: does that change your genome from the outside? It wouldn't change your genome. Uh it would often uh if what drugs are you referring to specifically? Well, I'm, I'm not really referring to anything. You're to, he's referring to marijuana, ladies yes, yeah. Marijuana. Yeah. Talking sure. and gentlemen. marijuana. We talked about Oh, boy. So those uh, act on the cannabinoid receptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a whole load of endocannabinoids within your body that, you know, regulate your, for instance, uh, hunger, regulate... Um, regulate your buzz. Yeah. hmm And... Regulate that fish album. Yeah. What? Oh, no. <laughs> And when you uh, ingest marijuana, you know, uh, THC interferes with those cannabinoid receptors. Is that why it's called... For...
0: Cab... What's the word I'm looking for? Cannabis? Cannabis. It's cabi- cannabis and cabina, what are you Cannabis,
4: use yeah, acts on the cannabinoid receptors. Is that why it's called that?
0: Yeah. Damn,
4: dude, I'm learning so much today. There I'm going go. uh, It write be It may be reversed engineered that it was already called cannabis, so when they discovered the receptors, sure. they called them endocannabinoids. I'm not sure about that. That's, I, that's great. You have all these neurotransmitters going around in your brain. Uh... You take one of these drugs, maybe it binds to the receptor or interferes with receptor action, prevents the uptake of certain, um, you know, certain neurotransmitters, certain chemicals, mm-hmm. and affects the way that your your brain works in that time. So if you if you think about um, uh, ecstasy or something like that, that causes a huge dopamine release. Yep. And you wait, huge serotonin release. Sorry, cocaine is the uh, dopamine release. Okay. Yeah. That's why they call it dope. Is that true? We are off topic. I'm going to circle back, <laughs> yeah, around. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Circle back around here to glioblastoma. Thank you. And basically they used these two, uh, these two drugs that they identified, and they showed that within their model uh, of this, you know, these primary patient cells, they could do their standard therapy on you know with the temozo- temozolomide, this TMZ, that John McCain is probably getting. Mm-hmm. And uh, their tumor would start to grow out again. And then if they gave these two other drugs together, because remember, there's lots of different yeah. phenotypes, they could get a much higher reduction in the tumor size.
0: Hmm.
4: Now, one thing I might not have mentioned to you before you started the podcast is that I've finished describing this paper to you now. I need you to explain that back to me. Oh, no way. <laughs> Gideon,
0: take it away.
4: Oh, uh, So the brain...
2: So
0: we'll say it together. So, so the, the brain, brain and the gets the cancer and the tumor.
2: And then the medicine.
0: The medicine that they use. They can use one, one medicine, medicine, TMZ, with Harvey Levin. Yep. They can give it that, that. which is what they use to treat cancers, cancers usually, correct? Correct. It's already being in the process. Processing.
4: I'm not going to give you any help. Well, you're right.
0: He's shaking his head up and He's down. We're his, right
4: yeah, on. Yeah. We're dead on. Thumbs up. Um, thumbs up.
0: Yep. Okay. Oh, high five. That's great. Wow. Oh, my um, gosh. Wow. Yeah. Then that so that TMZ can definitely and that's more experimental. experimental. And we can we can Rich definitely use that. that. Rich, Rich people, people yeah. get that. Mm. And mm. that uses, but since sense. that's that's not killing all, of, all it, of it, and they've just found because of these mice that they were giving the thing to, two. and they could track it so, so much, much better, better that, that, that if they just give them these two random steroids, steroids. he's shaking his head up and down. Yeah, oh, okay. thumbs up, thumbs agreement. Up. Uh, oh, that. Those just happen to also so do, well. do well. So, in the future, future. Those, those two random uh,
2: epinoids, epinoids. <laughs> not, not related to epinephrine,
0: not related to epinephrine, not related to marijuana, not related to Iowa ska, yeah. not related to Iowa Ska, which was a pretty good <laughs> whoop, band whoop. in Des Moines in 2002, that will potentially, that's also doing well on shrinking, shrinking these and killing the cancer. cancer. And so, when I'm, when I'm, what I, what I'm, my we, hypothesis, our hypothesis, our hypothesis, is that in the future, future. TMZ may be working together with the uh,
2: epinephrinoids
4: to say bye bye w- cancer. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the doctor has failed to communicate his science.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, no, no! Now you explain what they just
4: said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, right,
1: we'll get them.
0: What if James just like was like, well, actually, what are you guys were talking about? And then just,
4: <laughs> <laughs> but I will give you one chance to redeem yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's always something that that you will know that I won't know. Yeah. So uh, I would like one after the other for you to reel off a fact, an interesting fact that you will uh, know could be anything. Sure. That you're pretty sure I won't know.
1: Oh hell yeah, dude. 20 or so years before the titanic happened someone wrote a book almost completely uh telling the facts of the titanic but it was about a ship called the titan
4: that's pretty amazing gideon Mm -hmm. what's your fact
1: um
2: uh the director uh david mickey evans made two baseball movies one of them was very good and one of them was very bad and i was in one of them I thought
1: they got rid of all their bad movies. And,
4: and
2: finally,
1: I Patrick, have it, you have okay. a fact?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a band uh, from the uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, was when their heyday was happening. They're still around today called the Gin Blossoms. And on their album, Congratulations, I'm Sorry, they put out a song called Slow Down Virginia. And then years later, there was a band, a fellow named Tim Casher and a fellow named Connor Oberst were in a band. that put out a song. They started a band called Slow Down Virginia, which was named after... This Gin blossom song. All oh, they were they were doing totally kind of mu- different kind of music, and then those two have spawned off to become Bright Eyes and Cursive, and then also the Good Life, and also Connor Oberst and the Mystic Valley Band. And so all of it traces back to the source material, which would be, of course, the Gin blossoms.
3: Oh.
4: <laughs> That's pretty great. Lots yeah. to take in. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. This is the end of the show. One final uh, one final thing. Uh, if there's anything you would like to plug, where can we find you on Twitter? Where Ooh. can we find you on Facebook? Seamus? Uh, well, we're
1: we're on tour right now. Yeah. So you could uh, find us tonight. Oh, I guess it's probably not coming out tonight. And Who like, knows? Do you
0: think this out? is going out live? I thought this was a
4: radio. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus. I'm sorry. The, there uh, is a lot to cut off here. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. This fucker is going to be of, seven
0: minutes long. <laughs> I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: well, uh, you could uh, follow me on um, Twitter at nice. James Yo Doyle if you want to. Yeah. that's that's about all i got gideon how about
2: yourself uh i'm on twitter at silly gideon silly spelled the way it's normally spelled gideon spelled the normal way yeah Uh, Ah, i run a great show in uh long island city in new york called jackknife comedy uh with another guy that's on this uh podcast right now uh it's called jackknife comedy it's uh the first saturday of every month at 8 p.m uh twitter at jackknife comedy and patrick um
0: you can follow me on twitter at patrick hasty that's at P a t r i c k H a s t i e. I um i have a website patrick hasty.com you can find all my dumb shit there uh I run Jackknife Comedy with Gideon. Yeah, Uh, so it
1: wasn't me. No,
0: yeah, and there's no way I'd run a business with this idiot across the table from me. Um, And then uh, also I have a podcast. If you're listening to this and you're enjoying uh, the horrific stuff I said during this podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, you can listen to a podcast called The Nostalgic Front. It's on iTunes and uh, thenostalgicfront.com, and we talk about uh, cool stuff from the 80s and 90s and 2000s, snacks, uh, cartoons, movies, TV shows, and all that kind of stuff.
4: Fantastic. Wonderful to have you on the show. Hey, and uh, you can find you can find the Doctor Heckle podcast on Twitter at Doctor Heckle Pod and on Facebook at Doctor Heckle Pod. Thank you and good night.
3: Dr. Heckle is a production of the OAM Network. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were James Doyle, Gideon Hambright, and Patrick Hasty. The show is produced and edited by Gilworth and Mark Brimble. Booking by Will Loden and Mark Brimble. Subscribe to Dr. Heckle on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All reference materials for the show are posted online on the Dr. Heckle Facebook page. If you would like to get in touch with comments, journal article suggestions, or booking requests, please email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com.